0: Hey everybody! Uh, it is good to see you, and I I can actually see you from a heart perspective. Um, so it's good to see you at home. It's good to see you in your cars. It's good to see you in all the places that you are tuning in. It's an honor to be here in your spaces. Um, so I've I've seen a bunch of people out, and 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 people are just excited to uh, be out and finally doing things. And they come up to me, and the first thing that they ask, and like it's like this common thing, they ask, "How are the bees?" How are the bees? Like, that's our point of connection because I keep beehives. And and so um, just to bring up to speed, the bees are great. It is great to be a beekeeper in the springtime. It is great to be a beekeeper in the springtime because the bees are actually like pretty happy. Um, the, so in the spring, uh, it is uh, this time that that a bunch of the bees, they actually don't have a home. They're out trying to find a, a place to build their home, they don't have any honey because it's, it's super early in the season, and, and they are just out, and they don't have anything to protect, they don't have anything to fight for, they don't have anything to be angry about. It's like spring, there's pollen, there's flowers, and it's beautiful. Compared to the bees in September, or the bees in August, I enjoy being a beekeeper in the springtime. I absolutely hate being a beekeeper in September or August because who the bees are and how the bees act in September or August is a completely different experience than in the spring. Because in the spring, they don't have a hive. They don't have anything um, that they've built up. They don't have to protect anything and they're not mad. But in the summertime, they've spent so much time busting their butt all summer long to collect as much honey and produce as much honey as possible, and they are sitting on pounds and pounds and pounds of, of honey gold. And so in September, going into a beehive, it is a terrible experience. The sound of the bees In the springtime, it's like this happy buzzing. It's so different than in September. It's like zip, 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 zip. In September, I have these headphones I put on, and I I play classical songs, so I don't go crazy at the sound of the angry bees because I start to get angry. Furthermore, they are just, they will sting you through your suit in September. But in the springtime, you don't even have to have on a suit because they are so content. And I was telling someone the other day, it was like, it's kind of like people. It's kind of like like there are uh, these times and these cultures of people that don't have a ton of things. And it's springtime, and they don't have anything to fight for or protect or, or to cause this separation experience from. Or they don't have anything to be angry about. It's just like this heart of happiness and joy, generosity, hospitality, come and experience the beast type of thing. And then there are those people who have spent the whole summer building their empires. And to encounter those people, it's terrifying. And sometimes it would feel awesome to put on headphones so that you wouldn't have to encounter that. I feel like the space that has been created today, um, as, as far as, as people, um, as far as our culture, um, as far as politics, it kind of can be summarized by that uh, the, those two dichotomies of spring and summer, and this desire to to almost find peace in between the two. Um, I've been talking to so many people um, who are just frustrated. Um, about the environment, and they're frustrated about all the things that are going on with politics and 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 how how they don't know the place to belong. Do they belong over here or do they belong over here and and covid and and all the other things that are happening as far as people groups and how does this fit into our politics I'm going to offer you a bit of freedom here and say before Anything gets to the point of politics, before any conversations get to the point of politics, before any of our hearts get to the point of having to define the place you belong in politics or or public perspective, the conversation of the church, the conversation of Jesus is always the first place of belonging to the sons and daughters of God. If you are a daughter or son of God, the first thing, the first thing that you should be thinking about as soon as something happens, it should be, what is Jesus thinking about this? What is Jesus doing in this? Does Jesus see this? Of course he sees this. So how is he posturing himself? How do I posture then my heart in Jesus and what he is doing? Because that's where the buck stops. Everything is an issue of Jesus before it's an issue of anything else. And today I'm coming at it from that perspective. It's the the issues of Jesus, the things that he cares about, the thing that causes his heart to go pitter-patter, should cause our hearts to go pitter-patter too. And the things that causes Jesus' heart to be angry should cause our hearts to be angry too. And the things that Jesus does to create peace should be the things that you and I do to create peace too. Because the story of the gospel is this experience of peace in the chaos. And that that's like the story from the beginning. It's peace in the chaos and if you are feeling as if things are chaotic today good for you because you are right things are chaotic and frustrating and confusing but this is the place that Jesus begins the story ends the story and creates all this space in between for his people to thrive here it is so our first passage today Is going to come from the very beginning of the Bible, like the very beginning of the Bible. Genesis, Genesis 1. Here it is. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. God saw the light was good, and he separated the light from darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters, and separate the water from water, so that God made the vault separate the water under the vault, and water above it. And it was so. All right, so so from the beginning, and in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and this was what was first. It paints this picture. The beginning of the the Bible paints this picture that God hovered over the sea of nothingness. Okay, and and and, and to uh, the the people in ancient history, the symbol of of W I T R is the symbol of chaos. It is like the symbol of fear. It's the symbol of the unknown. It's a symbol of something that back then killed a lot of people. And God's Spirit was hovering over it and taking a survey of the chaos. There's something just simply in that that says God has got this. If culture today feels kind of like chaos, picture God hovering over it, taking a survey of all the things happening. If our hearts feel like chaos, picture God hovering over your heart, taking a survey of it, saying God's got this. Then what he does, he just doesn't got this, He says, I can do something with this. So God is hovering over this void, this chaos, the oceans of the deep before the oceans ever existed because they were all combined in disorder. And as he's taking the survey, God says, I'm gonna break it. The term separation also means breaking. And so he takes the the. the, darkness and he takes t- 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 takes high light t- 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 because before they were combined so neither of them existed and he broke the two apart and he separated it so there is the d- d- darkness and so there is brightness he broke it into creating the space in between for for order to exist then he takes the sea and the sky and he begins to order it, right? He breaks it in two, creating this vault that holds the sky up and this vault that holds the sea down. He separates this, he breaks it into, creating the space in between for people to exist. Then he does the same things as far as the ocean and and the earth. And he he takes the ocean and the earth, and he breaks it in two, and he separates it out, and he creates dry land. Why? To create the space in between for people to live and be fruitful and to be happy. So darkness, the daylight. The sky, the ground, the ocean, dry land was all through this act of breaking and separating and ordering out of the sea of death and chaos. Do you see where we're going here? It's God hovers over the chaos. He takes a survey of it and says, I can do something with this, and then he breaks it. I wonder if the breaking hurt. And he breaks it into creating spaces in between for people and animals and habitat to live. If I had been trying to do a sermon on hospitality, I would probably begin here and say that that the ultimate hospitality is this act of breaking Because God is creating the ultimate home and the ultimate experience for people by separating chaos, by ordering chaos, and saying this is the truth and this is where you belong through this act of breaking. There is something about the intentionality of God in preparing this space, to preparing this hospitable space for people is if he almost saw people before they even existed. He had them inside of his head saying, I am going to create the perfect home for people and people don't even exist yet. I'm curious if that's how he felt about the church too. I hope so. There is something about the heart of hospitality and the heart of God That hospitality is not just simply inviting someone over to your house and preparing food for them, but it is almost this fullness, this full expression of generosity and this preparing a place, an environment for people even before they step in the front door. It's taking the ownership of seeing someone's heart before they even need it. The act of hospitality is solidarity in the very creation process with the heart of God. And often, hospitality begins in the act of breaking. I had this experience a couple summers ago. I took Zion uh, to the X Games. And um, the X Games, it's, uh, you know, like this, this, alternative sports competition and um, half of the experience was d- done outside and it's during the summer so it's like baking hot and then half the experience is then in the inside and there are thousands of people and it is truly chaos and so um, so, so during this time uh, he had this like the, the event that he was dying to go to, but I couldn't find it in the br- brochure. And and I couldn't find the space that the both of us were intending on going, but he's like, Dad, it's going to begin. It's going to begin. We need to get there. We need to get to the half pipe. We need to get, you know, and he's like, dude, I don't know what, and he's like, go ask for somebody. I, I do bad at talking, and talking to people I don't know, and it creates this anxiety for me. And so he's like, just go ask somebody. And I'm like, I don't want to ask somebody, and I'm holding up this map and I'm trying to find it, and he's like, Dad, it's just about to begin. And and so I'm like, okay, I'm going to swallow it. I'm just going to ask somebody. And so, so I go up t- to this girl who's probably in college, and she has this thing on that says, how can I help you? And I, I go up to her, and I said, hi, I'm trying to find, a, a, you know, the half-pipe quarterfinals f- and blah, blah, blah. I don't know where to go. And so I'm like, and I'm just trying to explain, and she's smiling at me. I'm at the X Games, okay? Like, the, 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 the X Games, like, people are cool. Um, they're, they're trying I don't know. Like, it's this different culture. It's, it's, I would expect the opposite of this heartbeat of hospitality, I think. And so and, and so, so I'm talking to this college girl, like, I, I gotta go here, the halfway core finals, and I'm like explaining, and like here's my son, and he's like, eh. And so and she goes, Oh my gosh, it's all the way on the other side, and you're in a wrong spot. I'll take you there. <laughs> and I was like, What? And and she pulled out her, her thingy. And this is just my son and I. And he's not even competing, and I I mean like. And she's like, I'll take you there. And she calls this thingy, and a golf cart pulls up. And she says, Hop in. And she turns on the beep, beep, beep. And and so, so she and I and my sons and I are going and and going th- through this crowd. The crowd is like separating for us. Creating a space in between and and we are going for it and she speeds up and she's and, and I felt like a celebrity it was really incredible. I felt like a celebrity in a place I was not I felt like I belonged and I was elevated up in a place that I really didn't belong and she is taking me to the half pipe quarterfinals and and so and, and so she's taking us, and we get there, and it's about to begin. And because she's in this golf cart, it was like this grand entrance, and it was kind of like kind of scary, actually, like, you know. Anyway, so so we're going up and she takes my son by the hand and she takes us to the very front. To the point that the both of us, as the event is happening, got on ESPN 2 going like this. So going from this place of like profound, I'm lost, I have nowhere to go, this is chaos, I feel insecure, I don't want to talk to this girl, and then having my son saying, dad, 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 and going, okay, I'm broken, I don't know what to do, help. Then to have the experience flipped completely by someone who understood hospitality. I will take you there. I'm not just gonna explain to you how to get there, and it's really complicated, and oh my gosh. It's, oh my gosh, it's all the way on the other side. I will take you there, and I will get you a chariot, and I will take your chariot all the way to the front row, and I will put you on ESPN too so all your friends at home can see you on TV. I experienced something about hospitality in that moment that's gonna be with me forever. There was this total shift from feeling insecure, from feeling like I don't belong, to uh, I not only belong, but I'm the poster boy of this event on ESPN2. What would it be like For us to treat people just like that college girl treated me in that event. Being people who see hearts and say, oh, I'll take you there. Being someone who sees insecurity and say, oh my, I'll take you there. Being someone who has the time, the generosity, and the capacity to be side by side with people and invite them into spaces that you are most proud of. That's what Jesus did. I mean, like, consider the story of the feeding of the 5,000. Okay, here it is. Let me read it for you. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks, broke the loaves, and he gave them to his disciples and gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. So here's a story of Jesus breaking the idea of hospitality happens in homes. It can't happen in homes, but Jesus was one of the most hospitable pers- people on the face of the earth. He was God, and he was homeless. And so he created places of hospitality for people everywhere he went. In fact, in the story of the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus had been followed by people. I don't even know if he was intentionally trying to gather crowds. He was being followed by people, and he takes them to a place that the disciples say is remote. Why? Because that's where God typically takes his people. Remote places. Think about the beginning of the earth. Think about our hearts. Think about this situation today. Think about the chaos. Think about the remoteness. And Jesus goes to this place that is remote, and the disciples are like, yo, Okay, the sun is going down. There is a ton of people here. It is time to quit talking, Jesus. The sermon is over. They need to go. The disciples believed they had been practicing a heart of hospitality because they are thinking about the crowd and their best interest. They are thinking about, everyone's getting hungry. Send them away. Right? I mean, like, this... Makes sense. It's time for everyone to go home. They all have homes. And Jesus, in this place that is remote, almost finds value in this place. He says, don't send them home. Don't send them back to the places they're comfortable. Right? Like, like this is the thing that's happening. Why is it so important at the end of the day day for these huge crowds of people to stay here. Because after the end of this s- story, he doesn't actually do any more sermons. He leaves. But he says, no, do not send them home. And then he points at the disciples and he says, you feed them. As if Jesus was going to teach them a little bit about hospitality. But the disciples had this idea of hospitality that hospitality belongs in homes. Send them home. And Jesus is saying hospitality belongs right here. And he gets this bread, and he gets the fish, and he takes the bread, and he offers it to heaven, and he breaks the bread. He separates the bread. And in this separation process, It creates a multitude of bread. In fact, in the end, in the end of this passage, it says the 12 disciples pass out all this bread and all these fish, and then they collect the food that's extra. And here's how the Bible describes it. They pick up 12 baskets of broken pieces. Why did the author of this story Story go into detail and say the pieces were broken. If I'm telling the story, I'm telling the story, and I'm saying they picked up twelve baskets of bread. How did he do that? But there's almost a different tone. It's he picked up twelve baskets of broken pieces of bread. It was in the brokenness that there was more than enough. It was in this separation of bread. You know what I mean? It's in the separation of bread that caused this abundance to happen. Lots of broken pieces come in separation and lots of bellies are full. It spoke to the physicality of people. They were sitting on the grass. They were being fed. They had a desire to be together and Jesus had a desire to be with them. Just like all of us are like dying to be together, I am dying to see you face to face. I am dying to break bread. I'm I'm dying. I love you guys so much. And this is what we all want. There is this desire to congregate, to be together, to sing together, to eat together. And this is what is happening in a remote place. Praise God for remote places. Praise God that those people didn't go home and seek after comfort they were there as the sun went down because there had been a sun and there had been a m- moon because there was a separation from the beginning. The place is in between. Our church is doing on June the 20th something very similar. There is this desire for us to get together. There's this desire for us to congregate, and so there's going to be um, this, at the same time, in tons of different spots and homes and households, our church is going to be holding a barbecue or 50 barbecues or 100 barbecues, and our, our challenge simply is, if, if, if you are someone who is, is dying to sh- be a part of this hospitality movement, and in hitting the pause button on the chaos, and in creating a space in between all the things that haven't been done, and all the things that have to be done, and you say, I am going to do a campfire and a barbecue. I'm going to invite people over and say, don't go home. God has something for us here tonight. Um, that's our goal. So on June the 20th at 6, 30. Our goal is, is that as many people and as many homes as possible hit the pause button on the chaos and celebrate who God has built us as a family and as a church and daughters and sons of God. Um, and so if, if if there are people that don't have a group to go to, feel free to call the church and say I don't have a group yet but I am I am dying to see people and be a part of a family and a community and the church is going to hook you up. It'll be awesome because our physical hearts of hospitality are being seen by others and seen by God. And on June the 20th, our goal is to begin to just sit in that. But... The thing is, is hospitality just simply is not a physical thing. Hospitality is is like a heart thing. And so much of the Bible in hospitality, this idea of hospitality goes beyond just feeding people or it goes beyond sitting down across the table from someone. And so for for tons of people today, especially who are at home and they can't go out, there's this desire to show hospitality to people, but, but how do we do it? Consider the Apostle Paul, who spent almost all of his time alone. I mean, consider Paul. He is one of the most hospitable people in the Bible, and he does that. He shows hospitality simply by putting pen to ink. He does that By sitting in a place, and he's thinking and praying and considering other people. Everything that Paul composes, everything that's in the Bible, like, like each book of the Bible that Paul has done begins by him saying a prayer. And it's not just this hypothetical prayer, you know, God, we thank you for today type of a deal. It's this prayer that whoever he's, he's doing his thing to, um, he says, I see you, and here's the thing that you're going through, and here's the, here's the issues, and here's the problems, and here's the chaos, and, and here's your pain. I see you, and my heart for you is that, boom, 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 boom. I see you. That is hospitality. It's hospitality because it performs this act of showing other people that they are seen. So consider how Paul says here to the Corinthians. Praise be to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our times of trouble so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort which Proceed and patience, endurance with the sufferings we suffer. And our hope is for you is firm. Because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. What is going on? Jesus is talking, to, or Paul is talking to the Corinthians, and he's saying, if you feel hopeless, good for you. If you are suffering, good for you. If you are feeling chaos, good for you. Because think about how this is going to empower you to show hope to everyone. Think about how this is going to empower you to bring comfort to the people that don't have comfort. Think about good for you. Because I know, like Paul's saying, because I know you have Jesus. Because you have Jesus and are experiencing hopelessness, you get to show everyone how you have hope. So good for you. Good for you if you are suffering, because I know you have Jesus. And if you have Jesus and are suffering, good for you because you get to show everyone how you and Jesus get suffered together and bring hope. Good for you. If you are experiencing chaos, good for you because you have Jesus. And you get to show everyone how Jesus navigates chaos. Good for you. That's what Paul is doing. He is talking to a people group who is experiencing persecution, hardship, anxiety, uh, just total darkness. And he's saying, I see you. And you are so lucky because you have Jesus And these people do not, and you get the opportunity to bear the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ to all of these people who need hope, who are hurting, good for you. You see, this is a conversation about Jesus and Jesus' heart before it's a conversation between anything else. And if you have Jesus and are feeling anxiety and chaos, good for you. Because Jesus has been at this business a really long time. Towards the end of Jesus' career here on earth, he gathered his 12 disciples as he did in the beginning. And he took bread and he broke it. And these were chaotic times. This, like Jesus knew he was gonna get brutally murdered. And he took bread and he broke the bread. He separated the bread as he has done. And he says, this is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. And he did it to create this space that his disciples could see him clearly. Clearly. He broke the bread. He separated the bread. This is my body. It brings me to this place of what was in between. And when Jesus broke the bread, the table was in between. His disciples were in between. As he outstretched his arms, what he saw between the two pieces of bread was the table and his disciples. And there for a moment and because this was a pattern that's going to be done billions of times in the future he created this place of peace and chaos which i have to think did he break the bread as god broke the seas apart creating the space in between Did he break the bread, creating the space in between, like God broke the sky and the ground apart, or the darkness apart, creating, because Jesus took a survey of everything that was happening and said, this body needs to break. Because only when this body breaks can there be the place in between. And in this posture, brokenness is not a bad thing. And then you have to think, did... Jesus copy the creation story or did the creation story copy Jesus? And did God create the earth by breaking bread? Because that was the only thing that existed. As if the body of Christ was always there. And John was telling the truth when he said all things were created through him and by him and his broken body. There is something about the breaking of bread, the breaking of people, the breaking of hearts, the breaking of chaos that creates wholeness and purpose and hospitality for others. Um, So so I actually, I bought this bread today um, and before I came here, I was going to the store to buy bread um, so I could break it and I go to the store and I'm, I'm standing in front of all the bread and there's a typical bread, right? There's the, com- the, the bread that you typically see for communion. It's big and p- poofy and, and beautiful and it's crispy edges. And then I saw the jalapeno bread, and, and and I thought, man, I'm really drawn to the jalapeno bread. And then I beat myself up about being drawn to the jalapeno bread, because jalapeno bread can't be served for communion, because the the other bread, the typical bread, the the big poofy doughy bread is communion bread. And that, that, then I be, beat myself up for being an idiot because of course that's not the bread that Jesus had. He had these, you know, it's not important, but but he didn't have the big poofy bread. But then I said, yeah, but culture says, and this is what bread is for communion. I should just do this because if I did jalapeno bread, it's too different. And then people are going to complain about it that, that I didn't have biblical communion bread. And then I wept. I had my little thing on. I'm like crying because I thought, man, if there ever is a time that the church needs jalapeno bread for communion, it's now. If there ever is a time that the body of Christ needs to spice it up a little bit and and be passionate about who they are and who he is and what he brings, it's now. Now. And man, I had this holy moment at King Supers, and I was crying. I was like, thank you, God, for your broken body. Thank you, God, for the ability to share it. And thank you, God, for the ability, for the space to be in between that you have prepared for us. So it is time for us to partake in communion together. At homes, don't it in your car. If you're driving, I'm breaking your bread for you. But this is a symbol of the broken body of Jesus and the space in between that you get to thrive, experience God's grace, wholeness, and all the beauty he has for you today. we thank you that you are a God who is not only comfortable in the chaos, but you are inspired by it. God, we thank you that you are not afraid to break things and that you're not afraid of broken things. That the brokenness inspires this heart of hospitality to see people where they are and to breathe life into it. Jesus, teach us how to be people who see the same things that you see. Help us to take the posture that you are taking. Help us to be generous through our hearts, through our times, through our spaces, and with our intentionality. Lord, grow a heart of hospitality inside of us copying you and the great plans that you have. Jesus, we thank you for your heart and that you have prepared a table for us. Help us to prepare a table for each other and for others who aren't here yet. Because you seem to be a God who sees people before they even exist. Help us to have that same heartbeat. In Christ we pray. In Christ we proclaim. Amen.